That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Today's guest is David Ratchford, and uh, David's a good friend. He's a good dude. Uh, he's really taught me a lot about uh, about service and about being of service to others. And um, he's he's going to talk a little bit about that and share some of his insight on 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 why he uh, is the way that he is with that, and why he kind of approaches life from that angle. And um, I I kind of had told him, hey, look, man. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but and we talked about this in the in the interview. I don't know if he knew this at the time, but he'd kind of inspired me and opened my eyes up to that, um, you know, that that mentality of of really doing for others and and being there for others and genuinely caring, not just not just to do it either, you know, just to get something out of it or say you did it or tell somebody you did you did a good deed or whatever. Um, he kind of approaches everything like that. David's the creator and he's the host of the Better Human Challenge and the Better Human Challenge is a podcast on personal development and challenging challenging you to become your best self. So at the age of 40, uh David found himself overweight, abusing alcohol and not really living in alignment with the values and the health and the fitness uh that he that he wanted to to live by. And um he kind of found himself complacent. He wasn't enjoying nature and beauty. He wasn't challenging himself to grow. These are the things that were important to him. And uh, he kind of had to take a step back and identify his values. And uh, he, he decided to, you know, and that's an important word, decided, made a decision there uh, to turn his life around and to live in alignment, to be congruent with his true self. Um, he quit drinking. He found sobriety. And for the second time, and we talk a little bit a little bit about this in the in the podcast. He had been sober for five years and went back to to drinking again, um, you know, and has, has recently decided to kick that uh, once again and uh, and get on the get on the right track, um, you know. But he he increased his health, uh, started eating better, uh, dropped fifty pounds, and uh, now through the platform teaches other folks to follow a similar path. And, um, you know, and you can find that at davidratchford.com. He also does yoga. He's a yoga instructor. And he talks a little bit about that in there and, uh, what, uh, you know, how that's helped him grow and help to hold him accountable to, to show up there because, uh, he's being of service for others. He's teaching other people how to do yoga, uh, creating relationships that way. Uh, also at the end of this episode, David shares a story about a guy named Kevin uh, that that uh, he used to be in the uh, service with, and uh, the the story there is is titled "I Think I Hit Bottom." And make sure that you that you stick around till the end of this episode so you can hear that. Um, you're gonna find out what freeloading and all you can eat mountain mics, living with your mother as an adult, and shitting your pants in elastic bottom sweatpants all have in common. <laughs> it's probably one of the funniest stories I've heard. So make sure you uh, check that out at the end. Uh, first, a word from our sponsor. At Foundations Recovery Network, our mission is to create lifetime relationships for long-term recovery. In our history of doing good is the promise of your future getting better. 
So if you or someone you love needs help, please know we are here to help. And the sign on our door says, we care. We create an individualized treatment plan for the whole person, for the whole you, because to us, you matter. The first step to recovery is heroic. We know that. And with our heroes in recovery movement, we honor those who have taken that step toward recovery and stand up for you and stand beside you and stand together to break the stigma placed on addiction. Call our confidential and private line at 877-714-1318. We are here to help you. And help has a phone number, 877-714-1318. Make the call. We're listening. We're Foundations Recovery Network. Thanks to Foundations for supporting the show. Go to thatsoberguy.com. You can check out all of the content on there. We have past podcast episodes. You can donate to the show. You can uh, you can send us a, a, a message on there through the contact button. Uh, also, you can sign up for the private Facebook group, Sober Guy, Sober Girl. It's an awesome group supporting people all over the world, a bunch of great people in there. And uh, one of the questions I ask, you may have heard on the, on the show in the Heart and Hustle round, is um, where's the weirdest place you've ever thrown up? And uh, so I had this idea that maybe I would post that in the in the group, and uh, I did that, and we got some responses on there. So I wanted to read some of those. Where's the weirdest place you've ever thrown up? Um, Nick says on my barbecue. Seriously, uh, John at the bottom of the basement steps in my own vomit. That sounds disgusting. A face full of puke. Uh, Stephanie in a hearse. Hope there was not a dead body. Actually, I do hope there was a dead body back there. That would even be better. Just puked right in the hearse on the casket. I don't know. I have a sick brain sometimes. What is wrong with me, folks? I don't know. Bill says, in a flower bed outside a resort in Cancun, and he had to add in there with my shoes off. So I'm wondering, uh, oh, I see. The shoes were off when you woke up, so you probably had no clue where the hell your shoes were at. Um, And back to Nick's real quick. On my barbecue, seriously, Nick, I hope the barbecue was not hot. Um, That would not be very comfortable. Uh, this, and then let's see, we got two more. This one's from Ellis an old school satellite dish. What does an old school satellite dish look like? I'm trying to picture that at a house down the street from my mom's. And at the time I lived 30 miles away from my mom. So waking up on a satellite dish. That's pretty odd. I like that one. Last one comes from Michael says the hallway of an apartment building in Brooklyn. I didn't know anyone who lived in that building or any building close to there. So just completely lost. Um, pretty comedy, man. Thanks for sharing those, guys. I know that uh, we've all had those instances where we woke up and just said, "What? where the hell are we right now? What am I doing? How did I get here? Um, I, you know, I, I can't really think of one in particular right now. I'm trying to rack my brain and see if I have one that's coming to mind. I don't know if I have a weird place. I mean, I guess in a in a pile of dirt camping, that would be the first one that sticks out just on some sticks and some dirt with drool and just that nasty stank breath, hungover, stale booze, probably on my bachelor party. Um, yeah, not not fun. Do, definitely do not miss those days. All right, so we're going to get to uh, David here in just a moment. Let's do the iTunes review of the week. I'm going to bring this up here. And uh, this one comes from Steam Train says this podcast says uh, it's titled Shane is the real deal. It's five stars says this podcast is a huge help 
keeping me and others, I'm sure, on the right path. Shane shares his experiences with the down-to-earth, we-can-do-this-together personality. Thank you, man. That uh, That's pretty awesome to read right there and here. Uh, his sincerity shines throughout. He communicates with his people, our people, one-on-one. The guests are awesome, and listening is a huge part of my strategy for staying sober. God bless him, and God bless this podcast. Damn, dude. Uh, thank you so much from uh, from Steam Train. 1963. Um, man, that means really does mean a lot to me that we do that you mentioned in there, you know, we do this together. It's a, um, you know, this is a community of folks. It's not just about me, you know, speaking on the podcast and not at all. And, and, uh, really means a lot to me. So thank you. Uh, you too can support the show by going on to iTunes and leaving us a review. And uh, you can also support us by going to Patreon. You can do that on the website. There's a button at thatsoberguy.com. You can also go to patreon.com slash soberguyradio and become a patron. Uh, You help support the show, help keep the content free for the Friday shows. And when you do that, you'll get access to the new show, Real, with Jess and I, where we talk about, well, shit that married folks go through. So check that out. Now, let's get to our guest today. Big shout out, big thanks to him for coming on, Mr. David Ratchford. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Today, we're talking with my good homie, David Ratchford from davidratchford.com. David, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Shane. Yeah, thanks, man. We've been trying to put this thing together for a minute, and uh, I'm glad that we finally are able to sit down and uh, conversate a bit, talk a little bit about you, get to know you a bit and what you're up to. Um, take us back, man. Like what was life like growing up for you, David? Oh, this is funny. I, you know, I, I was afraid you were going to start like at the early thing and I've got a picture somewhere posted on my Facebook, um, of me walking around at like one year old or maybe two years old with a Coors six pack box <laughs> on my head. Um, and, and it's funny, you know, like I remember just growing up, I mean, alcohol was always a part of my parents' life. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I think as soon as my dad taught me how to fetch, you know, he was working on the house and my dad was a hardworking guy. Um, and we lived in this old house that he basically rebuilt from the, the studs up and my job was to keep him supplied with beer, you know, and so I'd go fetch him a beer and he would always give me the freshies, you know, like the first sip off the beer. And, um, and that was your reward for going to fetch it for him. Right. Yeah. And, um, so that was always a factor, you know, and, uh, um, and, and I just remember that that's like one of my earliest memories is, is running out wherever he was and he'd say like, go get me a beer. And I'd run back and, get a beer and then get the first sip. And it was um, Coors? Yeah, it was Coors or Coors Light when that came out, you know, but I think it was generally Coors. Yeah, the uh the Rocky is that that's the Rocky Mountains, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know the uh, my uh I got a buddy Scotty, he used to say, "Let's go drink some Coors and get some Hoors." <laughs> oh my god, dude. Big time Coors drinker. Uh but yeah, you cracked me up with the box on the head thing too man i uh i for some reason i flashed back to like a halloween party and there was always those couple of guys that would walk around with the uh the bud light or the Coors box on their head but that's a little different when you're um you know five six seven years old i guess fetching pops or, beers or two you know <laughs> or two at that yeah right man um so 
I know, you know, and I don't want to jump ahead a little bit. Obviously, you know, we know each other pretty well. Um, and, and for those out there listening, David is, is, is really responsible for some of the great guests that come on Sober Guy Radio. Uh, he's really a master of connecting folks and uh, an entrepreneur himself. And he's also been through um, some shit in his life. And uh, like, like I had kind of mentioned before, the peaks and the valleys of life. Um, you know, I know you would, you would actually... I don't want to get too far ahead, but you would stop drinking at one point for uh, about five years. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, the story on that was when I turned 30, you know, I was looking kind of, I was looking at my life and, and I, I was like generally kind of unhappy. Um, and I was looking around and saying, okay, all my friends are starting to like buy houses and get married and all this kind of stuff. You know that, I mean, that happens when you're 30 and, um, and I looked at my life and I said, like, okay, so I got a good job. You know, I was working as a, an accountant at a CPA firm and I didn't have my shit together. You know, I mean, I was like just drinking, partying, being, you know, fun single guy. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think I, I was probably like listening to a Tony Robbins CD set or something like that. And, uh, and I said, okay, so what's the, one of the things that's holding me back? And I said, well, obviously it's, it's, it was alcohol that was getting in the way because I was drinking, you know, a couple nights a week or, you know, probably the majority of nights, but, um, I, I wasn't able to buy a house because I probably wasn't saving my money and spending it wisely. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to quit drinking. And I said, okay, for how long? And, you know, I think I had a friend that had decided to quit drinking for a hundred days or whatever like that. And, you know, and things turned around for him and we're getting pretty good. And I thought, well, I need to have a meaningful amount of time on that. And so I just said, let's make it a thousand days. And so that's a little over three years. And so I quit drinking. Um, I think it was about probably New Year's of the year that I was about to turn 30. And I'd listed a bunch of goals down on my, you know, like on my New Year's goal kind of resolution or whatever. And I said, okay, I wanted to buy a house. So, you know, I, and I wasn't too far off, you know, but I mean, it mean, means I needed to save some money and start looking to buy a house and get qualified and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I said, I'm going to buy a house by, you know, March 15th. And, you know, and, and I quit drinking on the first of, you know, the new year. And so the, the funny thing was, is I ended up buying the house or my condo um, on, I think I closed on March 31st. So like, yeah, I didn't make the goal, but I missed it by like 15 days. And, and, and I kind of took that as a sign of the universe of saying like, hey, you know, you are now on track to, to start getting your goals together and start making things happen, you know. And then, of course, the funny thing was is um, so I was working as an accountant CPA. And by the time April 15th came around, um, it's not uncommon for CPA firms to, you know, kind of hand out the pink slips right after tax season. And, and of course I got one and I was like, well, I'm not drinking. And so I ended up starting a business and, and, uh, you know, being fairly successful at that over the next few years. But I think if I was drinking during that time, it certainly would have been a time to just like go, go down the tubes, but it, it helped me get my shit together. And so that lasted for five years. Yeah. Cause we have that, we have like, or at least for me, when I was drinking, I had these dreams, these, um, these goals, you know, these thoughts, like I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Uh, but there was never any action behind it. There was never any accountability. And, um, 
you know, we have a we we both have a mutual friend, uh, Larry Hagner, from the Good Dad Project. He's been on the show before, and him and I talked a little bit about the the middle ground drinker, right? Like, where do you draw the line? Like, am, on a scale of one to ten, dude, am I am I like a ten? Like, you know, in you know, going to jail, um, you know, falling down in the gutter, blackout, like getting in trouble, all that kind of stuff, or am I down, um, you know, below a five where I'm just, I'm kind of like. I'm living a pretty much normal life, but I'm drinking on the weekends and maybe a night or two a week and I can feel it starting to affect some things in my life. Like that's like the tough, um, for that middle ground guy or gal out there that's kind of stuck in the middle of that. Like, where would you consider yourself, David, like back in the day when you were kind of starting and going through this, like, um, and how, like, how did you come to terms with that? I was probably more of a middle ground guy, you know, um, and, and probably at the point where it, it, I didn't see it affecting my job. Um, did it probably? Yes. Um, did it affect my health? Yes. Um, but you know, it, it, um, it was one of those things where I was working out a lot, you know, and so I would go to the gym every morning and, and hit the weights and the, the cardio for, you know, a good hour and a half. So it kind of, um, and so on the outward appearance was that I looked fit and healthy. Um, and you know, I didn't have like a, a lot of weight around the middle section or anything like that. So, so it was probably, you know, right around in that middle, middle area. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's funny. You said like the, the outer appearance because with, with addiction, with alcoholism, with, with any kind of, um, mental or behavioral health, you know, issue that maybe any, any one of us can have, um, the appearance on the outside is always so much, so much different than actually what a lot of us are feeling on the inside. And so, um, that can be, that can be a huge struggle too. So talk about after. So if we jump ahead, you know, those five years, I know that ultimately there was a decision or I don't actually, I don't really know the story behind it. Maybe you could share it. Um, what ultimately led you back to drinking? Because you went back to drinking again. And uh, I, I, I mean, that's that's one of the great things I think um, about having you on the show today is that you're going to be able to give that, you know, that perspective of what it was like to actually go back to it. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't, we don't talk about that enough, I think. Yeah. And what, well, okay. So, so here's an interesting thing and I can't remember where I heard this and it might've been on another show or in a book. Um, on a sobriety related subject where, um, approaching the idea of starting again, not as a relapse, but as research. Um, and, and I liked kind of the, the non-judgmental way of, of looking at that and saying, you know, um, cause there is a, there's a difference between relapse being like a complete acute, um, thing. And then also, you know, just, just making a decision to, you know, started up, um, again. And, um, for me at the time, um, it was really a combination of, um, a, I would call it a triple punch, you know, a triple punch of life where, um, where three things had happened within six months that really kind of set me off. Um, and, um, so I had, um, the first one being a divorce and, the second one being, um, let's see, well, there were actually, maybe there were four. Um, I had sold my business that I'd spent the five years building up 
and and uh, then I went through a divorce. Then shortly after that, my mother died, um, or maybe before that, um, my back injury reoccurred. Um, and so I had gotten out of the military um, due to some ruptured discs in my back, which um, put me, you know, basically crippled and walking around with a cane and and um, dependent on prescription narcotics. Oh, wow. um, so, like, when I went to college, I went to college with a, um, you know, medical settlement and um, a huge bottle of prescription narcotics. And, you know, for anyone who's ever been in pain and, and dealt with opiates, you know, it doesn't like it, you really have to kind of stay on top of it. And there's a point when the opiates don't do enough. And so that's why one of the reasons um, that alcohol abuse is so rampant is because, you know, painkillers don't really work all that well. Um, and then we go back to what we know, which is alcohol, you know. And so, so you know, it was a combination of self-medicating and then, of course, being in college and on vacation and at a party school. And, uh, you know, so. Well, yeah, that- we, we, used to, we used to do that a lot. I mean, when you mix alcohol with, uh, with Norco or, or Percocet or something, um, you know, you, you can pop a couple of those and have some beers afterwards. And, man, like that's just uh, – That'll take the pain away for sure. But it, the after it, effects of that, man, dude, the depression afterwards and the coming down off that is literally, um, it's, it's, it can be really, really shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so, you know, I kind of ju- jumped over the college years there, but, um, the, um, but so I had these three events, you know, and these are what we call life, you know, I mean, life happens. I yeah, mean, but those are pretty serious things all at once too. I mean, God right. just like threw them down on you and was like, here you right. go. Yeah. And, and so, you know, um, when, when I had sold my business, um, and the back injury came back and, um, you know, going through the divorce and, and then my mom passing away, you know, um, there were a couple of, of, I would say there was a good year there where I just wasn't really looking at anything and I, I self-medicated as much as I could. So when my back started to get better, um, which ironically was through physical therapy and, and yoga, um, then I was able to just drop the prescription narcotics, um, thankfully, and I didn't really have any um, withdrawal or anything like that. Um, but the alcohol stayed for a while. What uh yeah, I forget you're the uh the master of yoga as well, folks out there listening to <laughs> You gotta school my ass. I can't even fucking touch my toes and shit, man. <laughs> and and not that I'm like terribly out of shape or anything. Like, I mean I'm in decent shape, but dude, like my, my ladies tried to get me to do yoga and um I think she I think we did a Pilates um a Pilates thing one time too and I'm just like dude I'm so out it's just not my thing but um I don't mean to get off track there but Pilates is a different animal I've never done Pilates you know but but uh I'm sure that some of the moves are similar well so I think that's the interesting topic though so so on on the yoga tip since I totally got us off track and we're talking about it anyways how has that become a staple for you in um in in connecting spiritually and and kind of staying in that realm um, of peace in a sense. Well, so for me, yoga became a practice that basically liberated me from pain. Um, and from 
these little bits. Of, so I'd been doing some reading. I've always been an avid reader. And it was yoga that led me to meditation. So I attended a big meditation retreat, um, you know, because at the time I was realizing that, um, you know, hey, things again are not working. You know, I need to find some better tools that and some skills that I need to have in my toolbox in order to cope with this thing called life, which is throwing pain and crap at me. And alcohol and, and narcotics are not working. So, um, so I began to look into meditation and yoga as a way to basically alleviate the suffering. And um, at the time, I thought, you know, and why not go to a yoga studio? There seemed to be some attractive women, and now I'm single. And now I'm single, and there aren't that many men there. So I, I kind of embraced it and and uh, started going to it. And, and the more I got into it, the um, the more that it 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 takes a subtle energy and it's it it's certainly not a panacea you know a, a cure-all um but it and, and it takes time because it's very subtle but it does do some sort of work that allows you to work through pain um through um and and what i mean by pain is is like the suffering and shit that life throws at you yeah you yeah, know that well it's 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 great that you kind of found that al- that alternative healthy way to release stuff because we you know when we're using you know, substances to do that. Um, obviously that's a pretty unhealthy, unhealthy way to do it. And and you found this thing. And, you know, I think that's an important point too, what you said, like, it's not like you were a yoga expert, like you had to kind of suck at it at first to kind of jump in there and get after it. Right. And in the end now, you know, you, you teach classes on yoga. I mean, you're very schooled in that, in that aspect. Um, where, so how, how has that kind of changed life for you? Um, it's completely changed life for me. Um, and it's taken years to do that. But, um, you know, if you were to look at me, say, probably six years ago, um, and even maybe four or probably four years ago now, um, the, um, I've dropped 50 pounds. I certainly can touch my toes. <laughs> I'd say, hey, I, I take that back. I can fucking touch my toes, all right? It's, yeah, but you're sitting down. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's not that much. You know, yeah. your knees are bent. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, so, so, um, and, and it's, it's, and because I teach now, I've got, I've, most of my friends, my good friends are now members of the yoga community where, you know, we're focused on health and positivity and helping people and healing people and, um, and building a community around that. So I've certainly become more athletic. Um, like I said, I dropped 50 pounds. Um, you know, the, um, like I know that things are going to pass and I don't have to react in a negative way, but like, um, when something bad happens, you know, I don't reach for the six pack or I don't, you know, I'm, I'm less reactive to, um, to the ups and downs of life. So you said something there that sticks out to me too. And you said community, the community around it, you know, in, in recovery, in life in general, I think, um, community is such a big part of us growing, of us getting to know other people and learning and when we're stuck in, you know, in substance abuse or, you know, our past, when we're stuck in our past, maybe from our childhood, whatever the case is, 
like for me, I could tend to isolate, right? So I, even though I'm, I'm, a, I would consider myself somewhat of a people person. Um, when I get in that realm, I can really isolate, and that's very dangerous for someone who is, has, you know, is an addict. And um, man, one of the things that I've admired so much about you, you know, since we've gotten to know each other, is your involvement in community and how you not only build communities but interact in communities. Can you talk a little bit about that and the importance of, um, you know, whether it's a 12 step program, whether it's a challenge, you're, you're a master at challenges. I know you like to create these challenges and they're pretty badass and they really help a lot of people, um, set goals. Um, elaborate on that a little bit for me, man. And, and tell me, tell me what your kind of, uh, thoughts are on that. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, call it at whether you want to call it addiction or, you know, bad habits or whatever, um, the they really thrive in isolation and because we're we tend to be ashamed of them you know it's not like you know we're posting on facebook you know home alone last night drunk as <laughs> drunk as fuck yeah. you know i think i'm going to pass out with my shoes on on the couch watching you know some bullshit documentary yeah. um you know you know it, that so it, it's it's a um you know, it, it's a behavior pattern that we certainly don't broadcast and that we don't share, um, you know, with people and, you know, going back. Um, so, so, you know, let's look at a couple of things here. So if at 2000, you know, eight was, I think when my mom died, um, and you know, I was, I was drinking pretty heavily again by that time. And, um, and that went on for a couple of years and, so I, you know, I drank myself into pre-diabetes, um, and, and 274 pounds, I'm not giving you the 275, but, um, <laughs> 274 and, um, you know, and I, and I had, um, high blood pressure, um, oh, you know, borderline type two diabetes. And these are all choices that I made, you know, basically to drink and then, you know, eat a pound of pasta every night. Yeah. Um, and this stuff, the, the, those behaviors live in the shadows. And so, you know, when we don't have the accountability, um, and, and I think part of it is accountability, um, of community, you know, it's like when you have no one and nowhere to show up to, and you know, it, it, it's like you can devolve. And I remember thinking that, you know, what about my best friend? I, I I wish my best friends would call me and seriously just ask, how you doing, man? You know, how are you? Like, what's going on? You know, I haven't seen you for a while. You're usually not this, you know, isolated or whatever. Now, now were, were the, the friends that you're referring to or, or, or thinking of, um, so, are like, those friends or are those drinking buddies? I'm just, just no, I'm talking really good friends. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, I, I mean, who would be there whether I whether I drink or whether I not? Okay. You know, because um, you know, I did. I didn't feel like I needed to be a social drinker. You know, I I just knew that I I wanted to drink, and so I didn't I didn't have the stigma that well, if I drink at the bar, at least I'm being social. <laughs> you know, now I actually had set myself up. Um, I, I I would call it set myself up for success. 
<laughs> so, very well planned out, strategic. Hello. Yeah, you know, like I might have a couple of beers or a glass of wine at a bar or something like that, but I would make sure that I kind of stayed under the legal limit so that I could hit the mini market on the way home and then get shit faced. Yeah, chess. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's called. Yeah. You know, it's like I called it setting myself up for success so I wouldn't yeah. make a bad decision and, and drink and drive, you know, and um, well, put, my, you know, and put sense, myself and others at risk, you know. It's kind of resp- a, a responsible plan, I guess, when you approach it from that, you know. Yeah, um, but nevertheless, I was still drinking until I would pass out or, you know um, – or I would say go to sleep, you know, on the couch with my shoes on. <laughs> Watching a shitty documentary with a pound of pasta. <laughs> Half eaten. But I'm still only table. weighing in at 274 and three quarters. So fuck right, off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think that um, to get back to community, um, you know, it's been a, it, um, I, my point was, is that I, my, my good friends were not asking me, you know, like, Hey, how are you? Where have you been? Um, how are things really, you know? And, um, it wasn't until I found more community in the yoga community, um, that was more focused around health, you know, and, and fitness and, and showing up and developing a regular practice that those things, um, became more real to me. Yeah. One of the things I think it's important you know, surrounding community and that kind of goes hand in hand with it is service work. And man, I don't know if you knew this, but you have been really instrumental in, um, you know, in, in me learning the importance of service work. So not only from, not only from a personal perspective, uh, you know, in, in building relationships and, and, um, you know, communities and getting to know other people and actually genuinely caring about what other people are, are doing in their lives and, um, you know, both personally and professionally. But when we get on a professional side of that, whether it's in the corporate world or um, the podcasting world or at a grocery store world, I mean, wherever the hell it is, that service, that, that genuine um, giving back and, and showing interest and really caring about people, man, you've been really you've been really a great example of that um, to me and to, and to many other people out there too. I'd like to kind of hear your take on that, where that comes from. Was that something that like, have you always been like that? Like as a kid growing up um, or is that something that's been a learned thing over time? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think that n- number one, I had a good role model in that. And my dad has always been somebody who has been dedicated to service and um, for many years, I was involved in, a, in an organization called Rotary International, um, and their motto is service above self. Um, but I was always kind of just a, a helpful person, you know, like um, growing up, my first jobs were, you know, like um, first jobs outside of like a paper route were, um, you know, waiting tables. And uh, I think I was a busboy before I was a waiter. And, um, and so you kind of anticipate needs, you know, so it it teaches you to give more. Um, of course I, I was in the military. Um, we call that service. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you, sir, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so I think it's just part of my DNA, but I think it's certainly something that you can cultivate, you know, and, and, um, something that we always have is the ability to either lend a hand up or, you know, reach down, pull somebody up or reach up and hold somebody up. And it, it really doesn't take much 
to to just be a general cheerleader and and um, I got that through one of my teachers um, through yoga who has been tremendously helpful in saying whatever it is your goal let me know and I'll help you and it doesn't matter what it is I mean she might not even have any skills um, but for example earlier this summer um, I was trying to run a 5k race and and go for my best time and she's a hell of a lot faster than me because she's a professional athlete <laughs> yeah. and she says um, well I'm gonna cruise today um, would you like me to pace you to your best time ever? And she actually ran the whole race, you know, right with me and said, okay, you know, this is where you do, you know, she's just conversational the whole time. I'm kind of second wind. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, she could have smoked you at any time. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, she, um, and she ran the whole run with me, you know, and, and it was just like one of those things. And I couldn't believe that somebody would actually do that and put out so much effort. Um, you know, it wasn't her max effort, but, you know, she did that for me and I was just like, wow, that was just really beautiful. I was moved to tears, yeah. you know. Um, and the, um, the other thing that service work does is it puts you in a position where you want to show up as your best. Yeah. You know, when, when, you're, um, when, when you're committed to being somewhere, doing something in a role of service, you typically show up in your better self. Yeah, and I, I think to add to that too, um, service can get us out of our own heads. So maybe we're stuck in, you know, there's a certain thing going, going on that, that we're really struggling with. Um, you know, this was just again, pointed out to me yesterday by a friend. Um, when, when we can take that same thing that we're struggling with and help somebody else out, if it's with, you know, something similar that we're struggling with even better, but just in general, that will help us just like you said, number one, show up your best because you're getting out of your own your own way, your own head. And then you get to give back to, you know, to someone and that's going to help in that process to, to grow and to get to know ourselves better. And then, you know, the greatest thing, the obvious thing is that you're providing service to somebody else. Um, you know, in, in life in general, I think that's such a huge part in life and really personally, like from my perspective, I think that's what life is about. Um, now am I an expert at it? Absolutely not. I, I really just learned this in the last, you know, couple of years maybe, or at least had an idea of it, man, I was, I really didn't give, you know, two shits for a long time, you know, about what anyone else was doing or I was so, so, so focused on myself, but, um, let's, uh, let's kind of transition. Cause I'm babbling here. We recently, you, you quit drinking again. Okay. And that's actually right around the time uh, you and I kind of started to get to know each other a bit. Um, right. Take, take us back, you know, to that and what kind of led up um, what led up to that and how's that going for you, man? Um, it's been going a lot better. You know, the, the, um, the real instigator was, I think Larry, you know, Larry Hagner, who's been on your show. Um, and he was on your show after I think his hundred days or so of yeah. sobriety. And that was a big inspiration to me. And, and on the one hand, there's the vanity aspect of it. You know, I mean, you can, when you stop taking in, um, dead calories and eating poorly, you can really change your, your health and fitness, um, in a rapid way. Yeah. Um, so part of it was that. And again, I was looking at my life and saying, you know, okay, so I've been drinking sometimes, um, well, sporadically, you know, and, and I kind of classify myself as a, what I would, what I would call a problem drinker versus a full blown alcoholic. Um, and 
you know, what if I, my, my question was, you know, am I showing up as my best self? Yeah. And, um, and if the answer is no, um, you know, what's holding me back, you know, and why am I not executing on my goals or my dreams? And if it's because, you know, yeah, do you deserve to have a glass of wine after a hard day of work? Sure. But is that really working out for you? You know, I mean, is, is it affecting you in other ways? And yeah, you might deserve, you might work really hard. And, and the answer is yes, you do deserve that beer and it's not hurting anybody except it's hurting you in showing up for your goals and having the energy and the, and the focus to do what you think you are, you know, what you want to do. Yeah. Or what you're capable of doing too. Right. You know, yeah. Living up to your full potential. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and the, I, I was looking back through my life, you know, over the, I think it gave me some inflection point to, you know, say a couple years earlier, you know, I, I think I had my, my bottom moment. Um, and, um, and I remember thinking, you know, as I was going through this, I was between jobs and, um, not super hurting for money or anything like that, but I'd spent the afternoon. Um, it was probably a Saturday afternoon, you know, like, um, and I'd started, I don't know why, but I thought I would, um, start with a, a glass of wine at like 11 o'clock. And, and I was trying to do some sort of work cause I had my computer with me and, um, then I ended up at a brewery and having a couple more beers and then I went and got some food and then I went to, a, you know, another restaurant to have another drink or beer and, you know, the next thing I know, I wake up the next morning and all my shit's gone. Oh, what? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. Wait, I don't have my wallet. Um, I, I, I don't have, like, I've got my car keys, but my car's not here. And I don't have my, um, my computer, you know, my, my, um, my backpack or shoulder bag that had the computer in it. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I mean like my car's been stolen. Wait, wait, you know, my, my shit's been stolen. My life is on my laptop. And this is before I started my podcast, you know, and I was just, yeah. I was just kind of enjoying life, you know, and, and, um, that's what I called it. And I, and I tried to put, you know, everything together. And I, and I prayed to Jesus who I kind of don't really believe in all that much, but I, you know, I said, uh, you know, Jesus, if you, if you bring everything back to me, you know, I, I swear I'm going to be allegiant to you and, you know, the most dedicated, you know, person ever. Um, and, um, so I figured out that, um, that somebody had put me in an Uber and sent me home. Um, and uh, so, so I had like an angel looking out after me. So I ran down five miles down to get my car. And I look at my car and like it, it had been trashed. Like oh, no. it looked like, you know, somebody had gone through it. There's receipts all over the place. You know, somebody had obviously broken into my car in the parking lot overnight and stolen my computer. Um, but then I thought, well, hmm, and I don't have my wallet. So... Um, and I don't have my phone. That was the other thing too. So I some um, so I somehow fire up my old laptop that had a crack screen, and I you know I looked for <laughs> my my uh, I, I did the find my iPhone thing, yeah. and and I, I traced it back to the last place I was, and I was like, okay, so my phone's here. It's definitely with security, and you know I, I go around asking the security at the at the area. You know they don't have it, um, and then I get you know and. So I'm just like lost. 
and um, but still panicked. Anyway, so eventually I retraced my steps after getting my car. I find that my computer was left at the first place I started drinking, <laughs> and then um, my my wallet and keys um, eventually showed up later that afternoon um, when the last restaurant that I was at, um, you know, I left them at the the place where I'd gone to get some food. And, um, you know, so I settled my bill and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then of course it was Sunday and I was like, thank God this, you know, I had this panic attack. And, um, then I was like, well, then I started drinking again. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> so, sorry, Jesus. I was just going to say, dude, you owe Jesus some mad props and, and you, you got to get on that train now because he saved your ass. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. But you know, and you know, what's even like, did you equate? the alcohol to all those issues. I mean, obviously it probably sounds like you didn't because you, you started drinking again, you know, to, well, you know, I did, obviously, I think I did obviously, well, subconsciously but, maybe, but you weren't, you're not, you're not, um, you know, it's not like a, Oh man, you know, this is why, you know, why you're not almost like the perception versus reality of it, I guess. Yeah. You know, but I think at that point I didn't care. Um, yeah. and I didn't have the, um, like the accountability and, and, um, the network that I have now. Um, and so you, you mentioned service, um, earlier and one of the things that I've done, and, and I think this is, you know, an important tip for people is if you're a drinker and you find yourself in a pattern that you don't want to repeat, um, is set up a system to break it, you know? And so now, for example, um, I teach yoga on weekends and that's really important to me. And I do it as a volunteer. We offer like a, a reduced price class for the community. And I do it because I want to be of service. But I also have that accountability to show up sober and presently for the students that show up to the class. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, and, and what do you mean? You know, you give up part of your day, you know, for no pay to, to teach. And absolutely, because it creates accountability and community and, you know, it, it, it keeps me honest. You know, it's like if I don't have that, um, I feel like I'm at a higher degree of risk for, you know, choosing to do a bad behavior because it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's such a great point, man. It, it really is. And like you, you know, the, the person out there thinking like, you know, well, what, I'm not getting paid for it. Well, why, you know, why would I want to, and those are those selfish kind of, you know, kind of box thinking that we, that we can get into. I know I, I know I was in that for a long time, whereas we're not looking at the full scope of it. I mean, you're like, you, like you mentioned accountability service, um, you know, you're showing up your best because you're not willing, uh, to, to number one, let other people down, but not, you know, not let yourself down also. Um, Let's yeah. So, so, so in that same vein, you know, I, I, I want to share another tip that really kind of changed the way that, um, that, that I, that I got, you know, that, that I got sober. And for me, it was like changing a habit and a pattern. Um, so it used to be that after a stressful long day at work, you know, I would go down to a winery or, you know, go grab a beer right after work on my way home. And, what I did was I changed that behavior instead of, cause I knew exactly where this was going. Like I would go get a glass or two of wine and then stop at a certain mini market where the clerk was super friendly. And then I'd buy a six pack and then come home and drink it until I fell asleep. And, um, so what I did was I changed that pattern instead of going home or excuse me, going to a bar or a winery or whatever. Um, I 
changed that pattern to go straight to a yoga class right on my way home from work. And that became really like my baseline practice. And then after, you know, yoga or hot yoga, you know, the last thing you really want to do is drink. You just want to rehydrate, you know, with water and electrolytes and then have something simple and light for dinner. And so that was the pattern that set me on this, on the pace for, you know, losing that 50 pounds. It was a yoga as a baseline practice, but interrupting that thing and saying, you know, okay, what's working for me, you know, okay. And this is not working for me going to the bar and then stopping at a mini market. So I need to interrupt that pattern and create a habit that will, you know, that is a, there's no thought about it. It's just what I do. That's that self advocacy, advocacy too. You know, you're you kind of know yourself, and you know, thankfully, you're able to come to terms with that. Like these patterns, um, those are huge. And when we can break those patterns, that can help get us out of that cycle that we're stuck in. Um, let's talk a little bit. We we got a few minutes left, David. I want to respect your time. We let's talk about DavidRatchford.com. Um, we've already, you know, I've I've touched on one of my you know favorite things about you, about getting to know you, about our friendship is obviously your, your service work. Um, tell us a little bit about davidratchford.com and how can you help uh, anyone out there listening who, who might, uh, might want to chat or reach out to you or find some more information about any of the challenges that you're working on today? Yeah. So th- there's a couple things. Um, one, I do run a Facebook group called the better human challenge and it's facebook.com slash better human challenge. And, um, I, at davidratchford.com, I do have a podcast and it's called the better human challenge show. And so um, we're just about, as we're recording this, we're just about at the one year mark on the show. Um, And so it's an interview format where um, I have short episodes which focus on a challenge or a task or something that we can do to improve our lives. And then a a longer show, which is um, a weekly interview. And we talk with, we talk sometimes sobriety. We talk talk sometimes about personal development um, and sometimes just about uh, life in general. Um, And it's been a lot of fun to put those shows together and um, also connect with guests and use that as a platform to connect other people with guests and, and be of service. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, that's, that's the one thing I couldn't, I couldn't get over, man, real quick is, uh, um, I just thought it was so cool. Like I barely knew you and you're like, Oh yeah, I know ritual. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit him up for you. And I'm like what? All right, cool, dude. Like, thanks. Bro. Yeah. And you had him on the show and it was great. And I did. And, 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 and that's really a great example. I think right there of like, go, I mean, you didn't have to do that. We, we didn't know each other. Great. Like we both knew we were cool guys and we, you know, we had talked a little bit. Um, those are those things of stepping out and going, you know, going the extra mile for others that really, um, not only do they benefit, you know, the, the person and, and the community and, and as a whole, um, but you know, you, you get that feeling of, of, um, you know, of just being there and being able to, to connect folks and provide service to others too, man. So just su- super cool stuff, man. Uh, well, Hey, thank Thanks for coming on today, man. I, I, it's always great to talk to you. Um, I'm sure we'll be on our, uh, our, our weekly call here shortly and we'll be talking about some other stuff. Huh? Yeah. And we're going to have to do another show, another follow-up because I didn't get to share the, uh, the hitting bottom story. Let's do it. Let's, you want to hit, <laughs> you want to share the hitting bottom story? We'll just, let's, I mean, we don't have to stop right there. We can do whatever we want. Let's All right. Yeah. So, so this is when I was in the Navy. Um, and, and this isn't my hitting bottom story, but it's a damn funny story, man. And, and there's this guy in, in, um, in my division named Kevin and, uh, and he, and, and we were, <laughs> Kevin, I, I don't want to say his last name because he 
he's no, pro- yeah, hopefully no. still alive. Yeah. Um, but he was he was a very funny individual. Um, and so we were all, you know, 19, 20, 21. That's kind of the average age of, of somebody in the military. But he was 28. And he says, man, um, he says, he comes in looking late and, and looking like he just had, you know, jumped on the wrinkle bomb, you know, and he was just always just a mess. And he comes in, and he's like, fuck, man, I think I hit bottom last night. And he had this big gravelly like voice, you know, and he was like, he's like, I think I hit bottom last night. And we're like, yeah, really? What happened, Kevin? You know, what, what happened? He's like, dude, I hit bottom. I don't know if I should tell you. I'm like, come on, Kevin, tell us. He's like, dude, I think I hit bottom. Well, let me tell you the story and, and you tell me if you think I could go lower. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, okay, this sounds good, you know. And uh, he's like, all right, so it's it it's Wednesday, Wednesday night. We don't get paid until Friday. I'm broke, and um, he he was. This is up in the Bay Area. Um, so it he, he's like, and and Wednesday is all you can eat, um, you know, and pizza and uh, three dollar pitchers at Mountain Mike's. Um, I guess that's a pizza. Mountain yeah, Mike, yeah it's a, it, we, we have one right across the street from my house, bro. <laughs> so, Mike's, so he's like, it was $3 pictures in Mountain Mike's. He's like, and I'm broke. I got absolutely no money. I'm hungry. I'm a loser. I'm, I want to get <laughs> drunk, but I got no money. So I walked down to Mountain Mike's and, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd wait for somebody to get up from their table and, and like, Hey, you done with that? And, you know, like there's still two slices there and, and they'd be like, yeah, we're leaving. He's like, you mind if I take it? <laughs> and then like, and then he's, and then he starts drinking their beer or whatever's left over in their $3 pitcher. Yeah. And then, and then like, if you see somebody get, get up and go to the bathroom, he would like just kind of <laughs> ghost by and grab oh, their beer wow. and start pounding their beer. And, uh, and he's like, so I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in this routine, you know, like for about an hour, hour and a half eating pizza, drinking leftover beer. And now he's like, now I'm, I'm fucking drunk and full <laughs> and I got to walk home to my mom's house. I'm 28 years old. I, I just like you know, freeloaded on pizza and beer at Mountain Mike's. And now I got to walk home and, you know, go to my mom's house. Yeah. And, and he's like, I'm feeling like a fucking loser. And, you know, I get about halfway home and I got this gas building up, you know, and, and so like I, I kind of stop and, and try to squeeze out a fart <laughs> and I shit my pants <laughs> and I'm wearing sweats with elastic around the ankles Sorry, so, so this turd is just rattling around, you know, at his foot, you know, and he's like, and so he walks home and, um, and he's like, and then I got to go by my mom's room to, to throw these sweats in the laundry. And she yells, Kevin, is that you? <laughs> yeah, mom. What's that smell? <laughs> that mom just stepped in some dog shit and he throws it in there, turd and all. And he's like, and then I got to come here and show up with you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. I think I hit bottom. He's <laughs> like, I think I hit bottom. Do you think I could go lower? And we were, we all had this big debate about, you know, yeah. I think if you really apply yourself, you can definitely go lower, Kevin. Dude, that's got to be the. That's a one of the most demeaning. <laughs> so not only did you just freeload at a mountain mics. And, and this isn't me. This is Kevin. Yes. No, 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 I got it. I got it. Kevin, yeah. I, like, I, I, you should get in touch with Kevin and see whatever the hell happened. Maybe, I know. I know. I wonder if he has his own place now. <laughs> <laughs>
Still wow. living. He's like 48 years old, still yeah. living at home with my mom. mom. <laughs> What's that smell, dude? That's comedy, man. Well, I, I think that's a great. I think that's a great bottom story, and I gotta say, I think that's probably one of the uh, one of the best ways we've ever ended the show with the story <laughs> of that uh, that involves beer, pizza, shit, living at home with mom. And uh, sweatpants with elastic around the ankles. Got to love that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to. Um, but yeah, um, so let that be. You know, a, a story. You know, it, it bottom is wherever the hell you decide to get off, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and you don't have to take it that far. Definitely not, man. I love it, man. Well, hey, thank you again for coming on today, man. Uh, folks, check out davidratchford.com, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Dave.